Welcome to In Focus, a podcast from Cronkite News. I'm your host, Taya Francesca Price. Today on the show, we focus on a family living out in the foothills of Yuma, Arizona, about 15 miles east of the main city that holds about 93,000 inhabitants. The youngest member of a family is a four-year-old boy with autism, and in such an area, resources to help him can be few and far between. In Yuma, the resources, I call them hidden resources because you really have to search out and seek um, help. He beats me up a lot and he just, uh, a lot to handle. It is a tough, tough situation, but we do what we can. In this episode, we hear what it's like to raise a child with autism far outside of a big city and how one family has learned to get by. Cronkite News producer Ben Flores brings us our feature story. At the end of episode one, which was about a 25-year-old woman with autism and how her service dog assists her, we got to lead to another story. We had a public insight network forum on our website asking for Arizonans to share other experiences with autism. And there were a couple of interesting responses from the city of Yuma, a town right on the cusp of the Mexico-California-Arizona border. The response I followed came from a 30-year-old mother named Elizabeth Gullickson. She has a four-year-old son named Gavin Cunningham, who has autism. I decided to pay her a visit, so I drove down to the sandy desert town of Yuma. Elizabeth, her boyfriend Jason Billings, and their four kids live in the foothills. They live off a dirt road about three miles off I-8. There were a lot of toys in the front yard too, and I also couldn't help but notice they had a couple big dogs in the backyard eyeing me down. They graciously let me in, and I sat down with Elizabeth and Jason. Their 14-year-old son, Brandon, was in the back, silently eating a Hot Pocket. When Gavin was diagnosed, he was diagnosed with autism and a severity of two, and then he was also diagnosed with a speech and language impairment. And we actually just went to an evaluation at the beginning of February where they've added on dyspraxia, Dyspraxia is a condition that affects physical coordination, sometimes giving a clumsy appearance. And an emotional behavioral disorder, as well as ADHD. Elizabeth stays at home and takes care of Gavin while Jason goes out and works all day, so it puts a crunch on their budget. I'm making a meteor. You're making a meteor? Yeah. Oh, okay. It has to be like, it has to make it with a little line and a little ball. Oh, where did you see meteors at on the TV? No, from Earth, from on a new planet. Okay. It was dinosaurs. Uh huh. It, it exploded, and I take them somewhere. A new Gavin's condition can also put a strain on his siblings. Gavin's 14-year-old brother Brandon talked about how Gavin lashes out. Really difficult because he beat he beats me up a lot, and he just. Crazy. He's a lot, a lot to handle. How's he beat you up? Well, um, you could be like sitting in his spot on the couch, or you could be just sitting there, period, and he'll just, if you're sitting in the wrong place at the wrong time, he'll just come up and just start hitting you because he gets like overstimulated, it's too loud, um, his cartoons aren't on, he's hungry, thirsty. And he doesn't know how to express it other than, uh, like, attacking or hitting. Living so far from a major city, it can be hard to find help taking care of Gavin. 
In Yuma, the resources, I call them hidden resources because you really have to search out and seek um, help. The Department of Economic Security, or DES, could provide the resources and therapies Gavin needs all in one place. When I applied and had Gavin evaluated for it, they didn't think he was quote-unquote disabled enough to be approved for it. And I've applied twice now at this point, and they've denied me twice because he's just not disabled enough. Elizabeth and Jason have reached out to several places to try and get help for Gavin. They put Gavin in one of the school district's preschool programs, but soon after enrollment, they were told that he could no longer attend the school. For speech therapy, we took him to school district one to start to begin with, and he did fantastic there. And they said he's passed all their, he was over overqualified to be in that class, those classes anymore for preschool. I mean, I've noticed a little regression since we've had to pull him out with his, with his enunciations and things like that. But if we can get him into school district one with the early kindergarten, I think it's, I mean, school district one, not late, they, they were awesome over there. He still he, talks about it. He still talks about it every time we drive by the school. After Gavin left the district's preschool program, he started in a Head Start program run by WACOG, the Western Arizona Council of Governments, but they did not have any success there either. Um, with WACOG, it really seemed like the teachers were not properly trained to deal with a child with autism. Um, it kind of seemed like he was more of a, a bother in the classroom than really than they wanted to deal with him. Elizabeth said that he was only there for an hour a day because he tended to have aggressive behavior and had an inability to sit and follow instructions. She also said that WACOG planned to increase his time there as months went on, but Elizabeth ended up pulling Gavin out of the program. I reached out to the folks at WACOG to see if I could hear their perspective. We were not able to set up a time to speak in person, so we had to chat over the phone. Deb Haney is the director of WACOG Head Start. What's the education requirements for your staff? At least an associate's degree in early childhood or a related degree with specific coursework in early childhood education. Because we serve so many children with special needs, we do ongoing training throughout the year to be able to support children with a variety of special needs. For some children, a Head Start classroom is not an appropriate placement. There are children who have needs that exceed what a large preschool classroom would be able to provide for that child. So I no, I can't say that we're, we're trained and, and able to provide for every single child because for some children, the needs are greater than what we have the capacity to serve. So in one scenario, Gavin's condition was not severe enough to stay in a program. And in another scenario, Gavin required too much individualized care and attention to be able to stay. The ability or inability of organizations to cater to Gavin's needs is a big reason why finding resources for this specific care is so difficult. While WACOG wasn't able to give Gavin what he needed, the same Head Start program is able to serve some other families. Deb suggested I talk with another mother who has a son with autism going to WACOG. Kathleen McDonald has been taking her son, Matthew, to WACOG for several months now, and her experience is much more positive than Elizabeth's and Jason's. In the very beginning when Matthew went, we um, provided an ABA therapist um, to go to class with him, and part of uh, what she did was help uh, Miss Anna and Miss Monica to know um, what behaviors Matthew was exhibiting um, that might not be typical and how to address those. And they were all very receptive to um, the communication with the therapist. And it got to the point where the therapist no longer needed to come. ABA means Applied Behavioral Analysis, so an ABA therapist can help teach behavioral techniques. 
Despite the success Kathleen has had with Wacog, Elizabeth didn't have the same luck, so she had to look elsewhere for resources to help Gavin. Um, he has a respite care provider. Her name's Rosie. She is a doll. She's been working with autistic kids for, I think she said like 20 years or something like that. And what she does is she picks him up from home or wherever we happen to be. And on Tuesdays, she takes him to group skills, do him how to socialize and stuff. And then on Fridays, she picks him up and just basically gives us a break, as well as gives Gavin a break from us, and also gets him out in the community and really teaches him in a structured environment how to be out in the community at a store or a park and behave appropriately. Elizabeth hopes to get Gavin into one of the district's schools soon, because if they can't, she's just not sure what they're going to do. There are a couple really good public school options here in town, but you have to be above the preschool, so say kinder, first grade. Um, so what we are striving for right now is to get Gavin evaluated for early admission to kindergarten, so that way he can get um, better support through the school district, um, not just through a state-run uh, school. Elizabeth and Jason are doing everything they can to help provide for Gavin. All his senses just seem to overwhelm whenever you get him out of a familiar place or after a certain time of day. We've noticed that also when everybody's home. She said, I try and take care of him. And it's a handful trying to, trying to watch him, help with homework, get the nine-year-old out to his friend's house, have the 14-year-old or going to do anything in the garage while she's trying to cook in the meantime. Just, it is a tough, tough situation, but we do what we can. Ben Flores now joins me in the studio. How are you doing, Ben? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So what kind of resources are in Phoenix for people with autism? That's an interesting question, Taya, because there is a stark difference between the resources in Yuma and the resources in Phoenix. It's only natural because there's roughly 1.5 million people in Phoenix compared to Yuma's 93,000. But an organization that put Phoenix on the map for autism awareness is SARC, the Southwest Autism Research and Resource Center. They do many studies on autism and help many people with autism in the Valley. One thing I learned, though, was that they have a preschool program both in Tempe and Phoenix. So I interviewed Rachel McIntosh, the Senior Clinical Manager and Community School Director for the SARC Preschool Program. So there are programs in the Valley that offer behavior analytic services. So our program is based on something called Applied Behavior Analysis. And there are certainly other programs in the Valley that offer that service. Um, but specific to what we do, so that we're offering a program that is inclusive in nature, which means that we offer this program in this group model, so where children are able to come in and receive intensive ABA-based services alongside typically developing children, so children who do not have autism, in a preschool-like environment is very unique to SARC and the SARC Community School and is not something that is offered in another program in the Valley or really something that is offered very frequently in other states. Um, so there are not very many that offer a program like that. So with SARC, they make an emphasis on making ABA a strong point in how they teach their kids. Your feature earlier this season was about a young woman with autism, Lindsay, and her service dog, Casey, and you were kind of talking about their relationship. So did you notice any ties from the first story now over to the second story? 
Yeah, in the first story, it revolved around a young woman with autism and her service dog. In this story, Gavin has a good buddy named King. King's a boar bull, or a South African mastiff. He's seven years old, and he's actually a retired service dog. So uh, King was always shadowing Gavin wherever he went. Uh, he'd be outside, and just sitting literally in his shadow a few feet away from him. Inside, just sitting calmly in the hallway looking at him, just always observing him. And uh, there's one time where we're inside, and Gavin just put all his weight on King. And I was shocked this, this dog just took it. I thought he might snap, run away, but um, now he just he loves all the attention, and he just doesn't mind when this kid just gets on him. And so what's something that you're going to take away from covering two stories this season on autism? Well, I didn't know a whole lot about autism when I first started reporting on it in January. I quickly learned about the conditions that people have with autism and the resources that should be a necessity for them. Elizabeth actually wrote something very powerful in the form she filled out on her website, the way we got to know her, and I think it's stronger than anything I could ever say. She wrote, Autism is not some horrible diagnosis that others need to feel sorry for us about. We love like you love, we care, we can laugh, we are happy. Autism is not bad parenting. Autism is feeling too much of the world at once. That's very powerful. Well, thank you so much for your reporting. It's been very insightful. All right, thanks, Taya. You can connect with us on Twitter at Cronkite News or Facebook at Cronkite News Online or submit the feedback form on our website, cronkitenews.azpbs.org slash podcast. There, you'll also be able to find links to other In Focus episodes and more about the music you heard in this episode. Also, if you want to be sure to never miss a news story from In Focus, you can subscribe on SoundCloud or on iTunes to keep up to date. In Focus is a production of Cronkite News at Arizona PBS from Arizona State University's The Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication. I'm your host, Taya Francesca Price. Thanks for listening. <laughs>